When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Eagles fans. This is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles bookmark that and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech service where we'll break news, give you insider observations and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter Chris Franklin. Well, tonight we're going to discuss an embarrassing loss for the Philadelphia Eagles in week 1 of the 2020 season. The Eagles were up 17 nothing in the first half, and then gave up 27 consecutive points to the Washington football team, ending a six-game winning streak against the NFC East rivals, and also embarrassing themselves in the first 0-1 start of the Doug Peterson era. Other than that, Chris, how you doing? Um, I guess a good word is perplexed after seeing what we saw earlier today. Like, as you mentioned, being up that much, and then all of a sudden you see the way this team finished the game and just looked completely overmatched on both lines, which we'll get into later on. But it, it was perplexing how you can go ahead and have that big of a lead against a division rival and have all this momentum. And all of a sudden now you're looking at 0-1 and oh yeah, you have the Rams coming in here next week, which could be another tough game. So it, it, it's a very confusing outcome. Uh, the, the team should just, I don't know what I don't know what they're thinking tonight. I know it's going to be a real gut check that they're going to, have to start looking at themselves, and they're going to, have to make some adjustments fast after this after the start of the season. Yeah, Chris, I, I think the adjustment needs to come in the next six days because, frankly, the way they're set up right now, week two is a must-win game in my opinion. Like they cannot lose that game. You know, this is, we're recording this while the Cowboys play the Rams. So we don't know the outcome of that just yet. But that said, I think when you look at what the Eagles kind of did here, they free-falled. And you know as well as anybody that if you lose a game the way that they did, there's a very good chance that it snowballs. Guys can start pointing fingers. Guys can start kind of losing their kind of grasp of the feel-good mentality that this Eagles team has had over the last several years. Because they've never faced this before. Doug Peterson was Owen it was one in or sorry, Doug Peterson was four and oh in week one matchups. Now he's 0-1. And the Eagles have a first place schedule. This does not get much easier. Um, before we get into 
you know, kind of the must-win scenario of next week, we we got to break this one down. Look, this is not going to be an easy-to-listen-to podcast today. Um, as you saw from our Eagles Extra commentary during the game, you can sign up for Eagles Extra via nj.com slash text. Very easy to do. You get two weeks free. You get to banter with Chris and myself, and we get to text back and forth. But anyway, uh, you know, I didn't have a lot to say, uh, a lot of positive things to say following this loss by the Eagles. Look, the scripted plays work. I mean, you could knock Doug Peterson's play calling. You could knock Carson Wentz's, you know, early game rhythm. But the fact of the matter is that was the only thing that worked in this game. It was kind of the anti-week one from last year where the Eagles started off horrendously and then bo- dropped bombs on the on Washington throughout the game, had a nice comeback. One, I think it was 32-27. to 27. Well, in this affair, it was the exact opposite in front of uh, a crowdless stadium at FedEx Field. You know, the Eagles had won three straight games there in, you know, strong fashion. Actually, throughout this game, I never thought they were going to lose until basically the, the last eight minutes of the game. Uh, Carson Wentz started off hot with, uh, I think he connected on 12 of 15 passes for 176 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. Then finished um 10 of 22 or sorry uh 10 of 20 for 76 yards and uh an interception and a strip sack so look the guy was hit continuously during this game we'll get into the offensive line because i think that's the major talking point here the eagles started this game with two first-time starters in nate herbig at right guard who was a bit of a surprise starting over Matt Pryor, and then Jack Driscoll, who was playing in his first NFL game he's ever attended as a starting right tackle with Lane Johnson, a late scratch due to his ankle injury. Chris, um, what's there to say about this offensive line, especially after Jack Driscoll also got injured and then they brought in Jordan Maylotta to play right tackle for his first professional snaps of his career? A concern would be an understatement. And I think when you look at the way this line played, uh, when you heard Jason Kelsey said that they that Washington was really attacking the inside, trying to stop the inside runs, and they were rushing up the double A gaps. The thing that has me concerned is if they were doing that, I can understand on the right side where you have Nate Herbig playing his first game. But you have on the left side, you have Kelsey playing center, and you have Isaac Sayamalu playing left guard. Those guys should be experienced enough to go ahead and know what type of stunts are coming up, what type of rushes and blitzers are coming on as well, too. Now, I know they all have the whole entire unit, the offensive line works as a unit, and each one communicates and they have to work as one. But to see the reaction that they had and the delayed reaction they have to try to adjust the stuff or no adjustments at all is crazy. You would you expected the Eagles have to had to make some adjustments going in at halftime because there was no tape available for Washington. Meanwhile, Washington had tape available for the Eagles in the past four seasons of Doug Peterson. So you expected some adjustments to be made, but when you look at what happened, it it, it looked like it, it was barely anything done at all. And the thing that I want to know is we saw Matt Pryor in training camp play right tackle the entire time when Lane Johnson was out, which from what we now know was an ankle injury. Why was it Matt Pryor in there? Is there something that we don't know that is going on? I would have thought he, of all people, at least would play right guard. I mean, when they played Seattle in that wild card game, he played well. And there was no doubt about it. He played well, even if it was a loss in, against Seattle. But to not see 
your main swing guard in there at all. And I even see him playing tackle, which he did during training camp. I mean, that part is a little concerning to me personally. Well, I, I, the only logic I could get out of it is that Driscoll played next to Herbig throughout training camp as the second team right guard and right tackle. So maybe that was the thought process, maybe kind of give some cohesion there. But, man, you know, they, they played well those first two drives when the Eagles were driving and they scored 10 points. Um, Driscoll in particular had two really positive moments on the touchdown, the opening touchdown pass to Dallas Goddard. He basically stonewalled uh, uh, Chase Young, who overextended his rush, and Driscoll kind of just made him pay for it. And then there was um, a stellar shot uh, to Ertz for a touchdown where Driscoll basically put Ryan Kerrigan down in his face. So, you know, there's potential there. I wouldn't be discouraged necessarily by Driscoll. He had to leave the game uh, midway through the second half. Um, due to an injury that they didn't really kind of go into, didn't return. Um, look, they need Jason, uh, they need Lane Johnson back. Jason Peters did not play well either. Uh, we shouldn't forget about that as well. Um, let's talk about the wide receivers because before we get into Carson Wentz, I think the wide receivers are kind of catching a break here, and I don't think they played particularly well. There was the 55-yard shot to Jalen Rager that was extremely impressive. But then he kind of disappeared. Both of Carson's interceptions were almost identical, and both were two rookies. Uh, Carson threw to the right side. Um, I believe it's it's hard to see from the TV angle, but it looked like um, with Hightower, he hitched inside, uh, and it was intercepted by Fabian Monroe. Uh, Jimmy Moreland later picked off Jalen Rager. On, an, on a comeback, look, I just think like, you know, you've got to put more effort into it. You've got to attack the ball. And it just seems like the rookie showed their inexperience there. Deshaun Jackson was weirdly used today. Either he was on a pitch count or he was banged up. It, the Eagles never really clarified. He was coming in and out of the games. The TV broadcast kind of didn't really know what was going on either. It was a kind of a weird situation. Um, Greg Ward was fine. I mean... You know, he's not going to get you a lot of yards after the catch, but you know he's sure-handed. Um, you know, overall, I, I just kind of think the wide receiver group wasn't that terrific. Dallas Goddard, though, really big game for him. Had eight catches on nine targets for, I believe, 101 yards and a touchdown. He looked phenomenal on that first drive. If they're trying to figure out a way for him to overtake and get out of the shadow of Zach Ertz, Today was a good day for him as Zach Ertz dropped a brutal wide-open catch on fourth down um, that would have been a really easy play. It was one of the few on-the-mark throws that Carson Wentz had during the second half. Uh, Not a great look when you're trying to get a new contract. Um, That said, I think, you know, this is a situation where, like, a lot of people are going to jump to conclusions and say Zach Ertz had this contract in his head. He kind of admitted that it was in his head during training camp. This just seemed like a bad drop. I mean, you, you saw John Hightower with two pretty brutal drops. Um, and that's going to happen. The Eagles dealt with that all season. Uh, we didn't even notice J.J. single white side, really. He had like a nice uh, wham block. But other than that, I mean, what did you take away from the wide receivers today? Um, I think when you look at the way the rookies played, I saw some things that are promising. You saw 
as you mentioned, the Rager catch 55 yards down the field. The one thing that does have, have me a little concerned is the separation or the, or the amount of separation that Wentz feels that he's comfortable enough to throw to them. I think there's a couple times, I know the Eagles were working, trying to work at least early on and trying to work the middle of the field with their receivers working on the seams and the crossing routes when they're hitting, uh, looking for Ertz and uh, Goddard in the middle. And then they also hit Rager down there. I think it's a little concerning when it comes to the separation. I'm really, I'm a little concerned about what's going on with Deshaun Jackson. Um, as you said, I think they were looking at his shoulder at one point when they were looking at the broadcast. So I don't know if it's something long-term. I don't know if it's something he's wa- working off of, I, just something like that. But you expect him to be your outside threat, your outside speed threat. So I'm wondering if he's the, do, not going to do that, are you going to put Rager on the outside? I mean, you have Hightower, but as we said as a rookie, are you going to put Rager outside? But, you know, he missed the last week and a half of camp, or oh, last week of camp or nearly near two weeks of camp with that shoulder, his shoulder injury. I think there's still a lot of room to grow. I think there's still a lot of potential there, there but these guys are going to have to learn fast. And as for JJ or Sega Whiteside, listen, I know it's one game. It's the first game of the season, just 15 more to go, hopefully. But as much as we talked about how m- much he looked improved during training camp, he has to, he has to eventually translate this over to the field. I mean, don't, whenever you say the best thing, personally, the best thing I saw he did was kind of do a, a, a makeshift pick play without getting noticed at the in, in the back of the end zone on that uh, Zach Ertz first, the first touchdown of Zach, I'm sorry, Zach Ertz touchdown. If that's the biggest play that you made all day, there's something wrong there. And especially with Jeffrey being out of the lineup, he has to produce as that possession receiver. And you just don't see it right now. And, it's rough. It's rough watching this crew. I mean, uh, if you look at on NJ.com, the grades we have, I think the highest grade was maybe a B minus, possibly a C plus. It was just, it was a rough day for that position. Well, speaking of rough days, uh, the running back crew uh, ran the ball 16 times for just 55 yards. Boston Scott had to lead the game at one point. He didn't look as impressive as he did during training camp or last year. Corey Clement was not particularly impressive either. Jason Huntley got one carry for one yard and was thrown into the medical tent and never seen again. Uh, really underwhelming afternoon for the running back group. And frankly, it put Carson Wentz in a really rough spot uh, throughout the game because Carson had to throw 42 times. Uh, again, we, we, wanna, we, we don't want to bury the lead here with Carson Wentz, but I think when you, you take in everything that was going on around him, not to make excuses for him, but it wasn't just Carson Wentz, uh, although it was a lot of Carson Wentz. So what did you take away from the running back performance? There wasn't really that many holes available. I mean, every time it, it was a mixture of the offensive line and I think some hole selection when it came to them. There's so much pressure that was coming up the middle. They could when even when they tried to go on the outside, I got I gave credit credit to the Washington offensive with the ends and D tackle. The D ends stayed in on contain. Force making sure they didn't bounce out outside. And then you look on the inside, the D tackles were doing a great job on there. The, I think my biggest peeve when it comes to this whole entire rushing attack is that the Eagles didn't do it as much as they should have. I mean, it's the first game of the year. It's a little bit warmer. You kind of want to expect to see, like, you want you want to test out Washington's conditioning. A lot of these guys have been going out there. They haven't been it's the first game of the year to amped up. They haven't played any preseason games. Why not try to run the ball a bit more? 
especially if the Eagles were having trouble when it came to their pass rush. You want to run the ball a little bit more to go ahead and get that aggressiveness and maybe have Washington's defensive line and front and the linebackers be on their heels for once and attack, 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 instead of just letting them come to you the whole entire side, uh, whole entire time in waves. And 42 pass attempts versus what I guess was 17 rushes, even though one of them was pretty much a went scramble. Six or so 16 play, designed play calls. Doug Peterson has to do a better job of finding a balance on there. Even if the first scripted plays look great, great and they say, okay, you know what, this dig looks good. Okay, this flood play looks good. Okay, that works perfectly. You have to see what's going on there. They have to be able to go ahead and control the ground game and basically go ahead and control the tempo. And they didn't do that. And I hope when it comes to next week against the Rams, there's a little bit more balance, semblance of balance between them. Because if not, you're just setting up uh, Carson Wentz to to take some hits. You're just setting up for his offensive line to always play on their heels. In a rushing game, the teams will never go ahead and respect the play action pass when he actually actually do it. So they have to find better balance and utilize his run game and get fix his run game really quickly. Yeah, and so let's get to that, right? So Doug Peterson's play calling kind of left Carson Wentz out to dry in a, in a lot of ways. I, I felt like you know when he was up when they were up seventeen nothing they basically refused to run the ball significantly. I, I don't know what the thought process was by continuing to air it out. I mean they really could have milked the clock and really tried to get something out of the fact that they had a three score lead and it just kind of seemed like they kept firing away. And I think once Carson went through his first interception, maybe it should have been said, you know, hey maybe we should take some load off of him. Carson's getting hit repeatedly. Like I said earlier, Carson Wentz was sacked eight, a career high eight times and hit 14 times. Carson looked erratic in the pocket. He was inaccurate. He was indecisive. He held onto the ball for a really long time. And, you know, I said this in my column after the game. A lot of apologists are going to blame this on the offensive line. I think that's, that's partially fair. But Carson looked maybe as, worse, as bad as I've seen him in a very long time. And I, I think... You know, I asked him after the game if he was getting skittish because he was getting hit so much, and he flat out denied that. I disagree. Um, I don't know if he was seeing ghosts, but he was certainly he he had some yips there, in my opinion. Uh, just as a casual, not as a casual observer, but as an observer. Um, as a former quarterback, how do you take Carson's performance? I mean. If I'm him, I'm not going to admit it because you know you're going to take the fault and everything. But if I continually see guys coming from not only worried about my blind side, but especially at that right tackle side, and I see guys coming at me, I'm going to feel I'm going to start feeling the heat. That you know, we've heard so many times when it comes to that four second clock of hey, you know what? I have to get the ball out in four seconds. I can't hold on to it. That clock's going to speed up a little bit if you have to worry about where that rush is coming from. And especially what they were doing, blitzing sometimes two guys up the A-gaps, you see that. And no matter how much Jason Kelsey tries to go and slide in the line and try to protect everything, when you see stuff like that, it gets to you. I mean, you feel like when you're rushed, you can't set your feet. You can't step into your throws. There were a couple of throws that looked like they were being airmailed because it looked like he didn't set his feet right and get his proper follow-through. And when you're scrambling around, you get don't have time to do that. And I also think that there, when you're looking around and you, you know you have that rush, you start and you start to hear people say you're not durable enough. You don't want to go ahead and basically miss two, three games because you think you're getting hit. So you're going to try to rush stuff around. I think it really did affect his decision making. And and if he says he may say he didn't feel skittish, but he may not want to openly publicly say it. But I, I've, he looked as if he was. He, it, it didn't look comfortable in that pocket. 
And maybe I think that what the Eagles should have done is if he was feeling that way, get the ball out quicker. Get go ahead. Where was the where was the short short pass routes? Where was the three step the traditional West Coast offense that Doug Peterson played in? Where was the slant pass? Where they tried to screen pass, but we saw it didn't happen. I mean, how many times have we heard the old bleep screen come out there where they fake the screen? If Washington was flooding all the way out to the one side for a screen pass, why not run a counter screen? If they want to, if they were to flow that way, especially with young linemen going out there to the one side, why not double back and throw it to a screen on the other side? I think that. I think that was there a couple of times because Washington was over pursuing, but they needed to go. If they if they were so worried about Carson, if, if they're so worried like he was rushing his throws or anything, get the three or five step drops out and just and just run the true West Coast offense. And that short passing game could have helped supplement your running game that was having issues, and it just would have been the same. I, I just didn't get the play calling. I the, the play calling. Uh, it was just a lot of play calling blunders. I personally believed in toward the end of that game. I mean, they were working the field when they were running tempo offense. Now, I mean, you know, they then they settled in, and it just kind of seemed like they lost all their mojo. Um, you know, flipping to the other side of the ball, which will be a little bit more positive, uh, before we get to some major news, uh, Brandon Graham and Vinnie Curry both suffered injuries in the game, and they were forced to rely on Josh Sweat, who had a pretty good game. I mean, he was regularly forcing pressure, got a sack fumble uh, as the first sack of the Eagles season. Um, and then, you know, Jannard Avery was in there who did nothing during camp, didn't look very good in this game, in my opinion. Um, you know, if they're missing Brandon Graham, Vinnie Curry on top of missing Derek Barnett, the defensive end group goes from a strength to a major weakness in depth. Uh, Casey Tuhill was not available in this game. I'd imagine he is available against the Rams. Um, but the Eagles defensive front did play relatively well considering the injuries. They had three sacks. T.Y. McGill, who they called up from the practice squad, got a sack, uh, a pretty impressive one. He actually got pressure early on, too, um, and forced an arid throw uh, by Haskins. I thought the defensive line played relatively well. I thought Malik Jackson played well. I thought Fletcher Cox was disruptive. What did you take away from the defensive line? We were going into this season. We thought the defensive tackle pairings were definitely going to be a strength, and it showed. When you looked at the way Malik Jackson, especially early on, the way Fletcher Cox was taking on double teams, Malik Jackson was on one uh, against the other opposing guard one on one, and he was winning that battle a lot. And it was really, really encouraging to see what could happen with this pass rush. And now the fact that you lose both Curry and possibly Graham. We don't know how long, we don't know how serious it is, but the potential that if it is something where they miss a week or two, that's very concerning because where are you going to get that outside rush to go ahead and keep the contain? Where are you going to get the outside rush to see what the way Washington rushed Carson Wentz? Where are you going to get that outside rush going against Jared Goff next week? So I have to say overall, the defensive line early did a good job. I wonder if Hey, here you go. This I wonder if Washington's sustained attack using using the run game kind of wore down that defensive line. Alfred, it's funny what the run game can do to you. I wonder if that started to wear the defensive line down and started to wear down that pass rush because it wasn't as effective later on. So here's hoping that Brandon Graham and Vinnie Curry don't have serious injuries. But if not, it's going to be tough next week. Yeah, um, another encouraging sign was the linebacker play. I thought Duke Riley played a heck of a game. He played really well in zone coverage. Uh, he was taking most of the um, nickel reps, nickel linebacker reps, next to Nathan Gary during this game within the 20s. And then I noticed in the red zone, 
uh, it switched to TJ Edwards just from a run standpoint. I thought they both played fine. Uh, Nathan Gary had his moments. He had a couple of stops at the line. Um, you know, I, I noticed towards the end, Singleton got some defensive snaps as well. Didn't really notice Sean Bradley on special teams. Davian Taylor got a penalty on special teams. Uh, but overall, it was a fine day for the linebackers. Anything stick out to you? Well, I think uh, that was the position. I think that was a little uh, that I had the biggest question on defense. And I think overall, Duke Riley, like as you mentioned, he definitely he, he was around the ball. It seems like every time you look around there, he, he wasn't too far away from there. So I thought he utilized his speed, the, the overused word motor. He had that going in today's game. So I think overall, when it came to Riley, I think he's all right. Gary, I think, given the condition of uh, when it comes to calling defense, given that you never saw the uh, what they're all or they uh, Washington was going to operate, I thought he did a decent job under the circumstances. So I have no qualms when it comes to the linebacker linebacker court. I thought the secondary played relatively well. They had a miscommunication in the red zone that gave up the Logan Thomas touchdown. He was completely by himself in the end zone uh, for the t- first touchdown of the game. Otherwise, I thought Darius Slay played uh, Terry McLaurin pretty well. McLaurin was ha- held to, I believe, uh, five catches for 61 yards um, after like absolutely owning the secondary uh, last year. Um, and then, uh, you know, I thought Sims was kind of held in check. I think overall the passing – look, they held, uh, they held Haskins to under 180 yards. So uh, it wasn't like the passing game was blowing up. Uh, Avante Maddox had a near pick. Craven LeBlanc had a nice pass breakup. Uh, Rodney McLeod tackled well. So did uh, Jalen Mills. They both had some pass uh, pass protection or p- coverage moments as well. Um, what did you take away from the secondary? Well, you figure well, Slade did a good job, I think, on McLaurin. And you figured that if Slade was going to shut down McLaurin, that Avante Maddox was going to see a lot of balls targeted his way. And he held his own. I thought he did a great job. Uh, Nickel Roby Coleman, you know, I think he did as well too. And you saw... For the most part, you saw that secondary able to communicate, well, not communicate, but work together as a unit pretty well. And it's early on. These guys are still trying to figure out how they're going to play with each other and how to align and with different situations and formations. But when you look at what this could be in this position as deep as secondary, they did they did a good job. And just think when Will Parks actually comes back, you have something to be even more excited about. But if you're just looking at today, I have to give kudos to Avante Maddox. I, th- I think uh, if he continues to grow as that second that second outside cornerback and knowing that teams are going to start picking on him, I-, I feel comfortable with him on that outside as much as it was discussed that as much as discussed if he was going to be the right the right man for that job. I think he's do he did an admirable job today. On special teams, uh, Jalen Rager had a muff punt. Um, there was some confusion as to who who had what role as a punt returner because Rager muffed the punt, but it was uh, picked up and and secured by Craig James, who just signed an extension. He had a decent day as a gunner. Um, Rudy Ford actually had two tackles as a gunner as well in punt coverage. Uh, Cam Johnson had a had a pretty good start, and then he had a bad punt that set up the uh, Washington in really good field position um late in the game and they eventually scored off of that um you know I, I don't know what you have to say about special teams but i thought they were all right you know i will say this i, I think they did pretty good but has it 
it comes to a shock that remember when Jake Elliott used to be beyond 50 yards, Jake Elliott seemed yeah. like he was more automatic. And then all of a sudden when it was in 40, it was like, uh, what's going on? I didn't think I'd ever see him be short on a 50. It was a, I think it was 53 yard 53. field goal. Yeah. yeah. I never thought I would see him be short on that. It looked good the way it was going in. It had the trajectory, but I guess he didn't hit, get all of it in there. Cause seeing the way he was kicking those kickoffs and what we've seen in the past, I mean, it, it, it came as a shock, but I mean, Cam Johnston, that that was an inopportune time to shank a punt. I mean, having a net of 50 is great as a punter, especially with some of those, uh, the way the field position was, and he's backed up inside his own 20 at a lot of times, besides his own, ten, a lot of t- own 10 a lot of times. But I think overall, there, there's room for improvement. Hopefully, he becomes more consistent in big spots where he needs to go ahead and he has to go ahead and pin them down, but Overall, I think it's not bad, and uh, hopefully Jake Elliott uh, gets that figured out when it comes to those long-range field goals. So I know it's been a long day, so I've got two corrections. So I got both the interceptions and both the touchdowns in reverse. I know you didn't want to correct me. So the first <laughs> touchdown was to Zach Ertz, and that's when Jake or Jack Driscoll had the really good play against Chase Young, uh, basically overextended, and then uh, Driscoll put – Kerrigan down on the second touchdown, which was to Goddard. On the interception, Moreland picked off Hightower, and then it was um, and then it was Rager getting picked off by or it, first it was Rager getting picked up by Moreau, and then Hightower uh, the Hightower pass was intercepted by Moreland. Uh, sorry, it's been a long day, um, but anyway, uh, you would have gotten in depth analysis on all those those situations on Eagles extra had you signed up, but now you can through nj.com slash text two week free trial. You'll get all the news and information throughout the week, get your questions answered through your phone. Um, and then you'll get commentary throughout the next two games for free. So sign up nj.com slash text. Um, but Chris, I think we've got to get into the fact. I mean, we'll get into this more in our Thursday show, but how big is this Rams game next week? From your, oh, case, from your it's, point of view. It's huge now because it, on two different levels now, you're already 0-1 in the division, which is not great, especially when it looks like how tough it is with the schedule that you have already. On a game you pretty much were banking to be a win. Now you're going to have to go against the Rams, who depending on how they do tonight, if you go ahead, it's, ba- it's bad either way for the Eagles. If the Rams win, that means they go ahead and uh, you, you, you'll know it for real. If the Cowboys win, it means you're down to your divi- your probably your biggest division uh, foe, your biggest threat to win a division this year. And you'll have a pissed off Rams team coming across the country to play the Eagles in Philadelphia. So I think this is, you're at the level now of this is a, this is nearly a must win because you go down O2 with the remaining part of this schedule, it could get ugly really quick. So I don't mean to sound alarmist. I think it's only one game and it's still 15 more, wait, 15 more games to go. But I think it's time that the, this team goes ahead and makes these adjustments quickly. I think it's time that hopefully some of these guys like Miles Sanders, Lane Johnson come back, hopefully Vinnie Curry and Brandon Graham are okay, and then go ahead and contribute because if this thing starts to snowball down here quickly, it could be pretty ugly here in Philadelphia. I don't mind sounding alarmist. Uh, when you look at the rest of their schedule, sure they have Cincinnati in week three. Uh, they almost won a game if it wasn't for a missed field goal today. Um you know, I know San Francisco lost to uh, 
Arizona, but it's still San Francisco. It's still on the road. It's still in prime time. And you get a young roster that's banged up. Then they, they enter the AFC North buzzsaw that is the Steelers on the road and then the Ravens at home. Um, you know, if they can't get through that stretch of six games at three and three, they're in deep trouble. And I don't know if they can do that if they get off to an 0-2 start. Um, you know, we talked about them potentially starting off 3-0. and Now it's, it's, it's not looking that great. You know, they've got to win these next two games. I, I think it's imperative. If they lose this, if they start off 0-2, a situation that Doug Peterson's never had to deal with, through all the injuries and all the adversity, they have never had to deal with this in the Doug Peterson era. Um, they've pulled themselves out of, you know, being five, two games under 500, but that was in the middle of the season and they weren't, they didn't have a first place schedule. Last year, they moonwalked into the playoffs after just beating up on division teams. They've already taken away one of their gimmies. It's, it's really, this is, this is a must win game in week two. Uh, and I know that sounds crazy, but for a team that's banged up for a team that has a first place schedule for a team that has expectations of making the playoffs and going for, far in the playoffs, and a team that has a, a complete coaching staff that's basically been around for the last three to four years, um, they are really in a spot where they need to rebound quickly. And I don't know if that rebound happens. The Rams are 0-2 against Doug Peterson on, on, in, in the Sean McVay era. But things can change real fast. The Redskins were 0-6 over the last three years. Now they're 1-0. And the Eagles are 0-1 in the division to start the season. They're 0-1 against a rival that a lot of people thought that they were going to whoop on. And they lost in embarrassing fashion in a massive letdown. The Eagles have no choice but to come back from this and win. Uh, You know, they say that they're hungry dogs and they're underdogs. Well, in order to show how hungry they are, they need to go beat the Rams with Aaron Donald staring right at Jason Kelsey and Isaac Sayamalu. And Michael Brockers on top of whoever they're going to start at right guard next week. This is not, this doesn't get any easier. And the Eagles really need to find a way out of this. Any final thoughts, Chris? What's the word I used earlier on? Perplexed? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm still too perplexed to even think of a, a, a poignant final thought right now. I guess the only thing I could pretty much say is I hope that they're spending. All, a lot of time tonight, and I hope there's and the players are spending time at home, really thinking about what could be if they don't fix this quickly. It's it, it is I can't fathom how this team lost. With they they had the better talent, even with all those reserves, and they had the better talent today. I still think they did. They were the better. They were a better team, and exactly. they let an inferior team come back and take over. It, it, um, it's, it's it's frustrating. Put it that way. If I if I'm an Eagles player right now, I'm frustrated, and I think they're t- I think I'd be talking uh, amongst ourselves in the locker room prep for practice, trying to focus themselves for a uh, for Sunday's game against the Rams. Well, it's good news that they they hired eight captains, so that's a lot of leadership. Hopefully, that helps <laughs> them out. Um, you know, guys, you can download the No Huddle Show podcast uh, wherever podcasts are available. You like we said earlier, you can. Check out Eagles Extra, two free weeks, uh, nj.com slash text. Um, you know, make sure that you leave comments and give us five-star ratings, um, and hopefully we can address those. We'll be back on Thursday with a much less depressing show, I would hope. Uh, for Chris Franklin, I'm Mike K. We'll see you soon. 